wise Get up and get out Get rid of that frown that's been dragging you down And get up in the air Just pretend that you can fly You'll never know if you can Till you try Hi, and welcome to Cannabis Helps Dementia. I'm Chella. I'm Dave. And right up front, we'd like to say that we're not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing you hear in this podcast should be considered medical advice. Right. We're not experts, but throughout this podcast series, you'll hear from doctors, nurses, research scientists, administrators, other caregivers, and people living with dementia about how cannabis helps. Like it did for our family. That's right. After my mom was diagnosed with dementia, we were thrust into family caregiving and became fierce advocates for people living with dementia, which is how we connected with geriatric nurse practitioner Eloise Thiessen, who is an expert. We heard Eloise speak about cannabis and seniors at CanMed 2019, a huge, very serious medical cannabis conference where we also met Dr. Rafael Meshulam, godfather of modern cannabis research. Everyone who's anyone in the medical cannabis space was there. Eloise Thiessen is a board-certified adult geriatric nurse practitioner who has cultivated a wealth of knowledge and data for using cannabis to treat a broad range of conditions and diseases, especially those that commonly affect seniors. Eloise is a co-founder and chief visionary officer of Radical Health, developing ongoing cannabis education for healthcare professionals and the community, as well as patient care and industry training. Uh, prior to Radical Health, Eloise also founded Green Health Consultants, a medical cannabis clinic that helped patients use cannabis to treat chronic and age-related illness, and was one of the first healthcare practitioners to bring a clinical dosing regimen to the cannabis space. She's treated more than 5,500 patients using cannabis. Eloise previously served on the board of the American Cannabis Nurses Association and is now the president. She helped in the development of ACNA's first online core curriculum, providing over eight hours of educational content, as well as continuing education credits for nurses. Her work has been featured in Newsweek and the San Francisco Chronicle, among many others. Uh, there are very few healthcare practitioners in the U.S. with a comparable level of cannabis expertise and experience. Uh, Eloise Thiessen, nurse practitioner, thank you so much for being here to talk about how cannabis helps dementia. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is definitely a topic I'm passionate about as well. Awesome. awesome. I'm so glad. So let's get right into it, shall we? Sure. Um, how and why does cannabis help people living with dementia? You know, it's um, really interesting to look at the research that we have around dementia and traditional treatments, right? Uh, I think on a previous podcast, you had a physician who was talking about the fact that we don't have any FDA approved pharmaceutical options for patients living with dementia. And often they develop some you know, neuropsychiatric symptoms that can be very distressing for the family and caregivers, um, whether they're living at home or a facility. And many of the drugs that are used are off label. So it makes sense to look at cannabis as another treatment option. And unfortunately, we don't have large clinical trials to demonstrate whether or not cannabinoids are, you know, if the evidence demonstrates they're effective for the use of, you know, anxiety and psychosis kind of uh, symptoms in dementia patients. However, we have quite a few clinicians out there who are using it. We do have some data on synthetic cannabinoids like dronabinol, THC, which is demonstrated 
um, that it can be very effective at reducing some of the symptoms associated with late stage dementia. How, how on earth can we overcome the persistent stigma that cannabis has, especially among seniors? I think that's a great question. You know, I was very fortunate in California to find some early adopters in the assisted living community and memory care community who um, saw my talk um, early on about cannabis, you know, in terms of relieving symptoms, anxiety, chronic pain, insomnia. And they were really curious about how uh, cannabis could help their residents. So they decided to partner with me early on back in 2016 Mm -hmm. and start offering uh, cannabinoid treatment to their residents. Uh, and it was really a case-by-case -case basis. And so I think, you know, once they started to see the results and realized that not only did it help relieve the, the dementia patient with their symptoms, but the caregiver, the family members, all, it was sort of this domino effect where everybody started to get some relief. And I think, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that's the only way that people start to really believe in cannabis as a medicine is they have this personal experience. Mm. Um, and many of the seniors that I work with, the average age is about 76. So many of them actually did not use cannabis in their youth because at that age, they were raising families and having jobs. And so, you know, they really do have that stigma deep inside of them. So we need early adopters. We need people who are willing to push the envelope. Um, and demonstrate that cannabis can be effective and just start to get the word out there like you guys are doing. Can you, give us, can you uh, talk about a couple of your patients, give examples maybe of how you've uh, you found the right dosage, how you implemented cannabis uh, with the, for their symptoms of dementia, and uh, what kind of dosing are you looking at as far as uh, your, the patients, what are you finding? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So we do uh, have some dosing information around the synthetic cannabinoid, dronabinol, where they did look at between 2.5 to 5 milligrams of THC in some of these patients and found that it was helpful at reducing their anxiety, improving their sleep, it improved their overall quality of life. Uh, early on, there was a lot of exploration with my patients, and I started to adopt what I would call best practices, right? I definitely noticed differences between genders, which I thought was really interesting. And one of my stories that I tell people is that um, early on, you know, we do see more females than males tend to develop the, you know, the disease of Alzheimer's. Um, I do have a slightly larger female population, but it's probably 60-40, female to male. Mm -hmm. Early on, um, I was um, recommending CBD as a treatment for the anxiety in my uh, dementia patients who were female. And I'll never forget this story. It's the daughter had durable power of healthcare and she'd come in with her mom and I said, okay, I want you to go to the dispensary and I want you to get this. And it was, you know, CBD edible. It was from cannabis. It wasn't a hemp derived CBD product. And she goes to the dispensary and the dispensary staff was like, no, 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 you need a one-to-one, -one. you know, mm. really tried to talk this woman into something else. And, um, you know, I got on the phone. I said, thank you very much. I'm confident in what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go ahead and have her get her CBD. Well, lo and behold, she gets the CBD edible and the facility administers it to her and it makes her anxiety worse to the point where um, she was screaming and yelling and she had this um, worsening of symptoms. Oh no. And, you know, the facility wanted to throw her out uh, oh, as a no. result of it. it was so disruptive. 
And, um, you know, the daughter was such a good sport. She called me up and she said, well, that didn't work. What do you think I should do? And I said, <laughs> well, um, okay, go back to the dispensary and ask for some THC. Try <laughs> the one-to-one. <laughs> we actually, I decided to just try THC because I was concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, we do see reports that CBD in very low doses can be stimulating. Right. Um, and some people have reported, you know, increase in anxiety with low doses of CBD. Mm-hmm. They've reported um, agitation, um, mm-hmm. kind of feeling, you know, like they're, uh, have too much caffeine. Mm. So I decided to try just THC, very low dose, two milligrams. Mm-hmm. Um, the facility dispensed that to her. And mm. within two days I got a call from the daughter. My mom is a completely different person. Mm. I can actually take her out now for meals and go out in public. She's calm. She's smiling. She's wow. engaging in conversation. I mean, she wasn't you know, she didn't have this remarkable recovery from her dementia, but her quality of life was greatly improved. Yeah. Um, on, and then on just I a couple of milligrams, even. Just two milligrams. How many times a day? Um, in this particular woman, it was twice a day. And sometimes awesome. it's once, sometimes it's three times a day. Amazing. Um, it was really remarkable um, to see uh, a dose low enough to not cause any adverse effects. Yeah. And just benefits. It was, you know, um, and then I had a couple more women where CBD, sometimes the families would come to me and they'd say, well, we tried CBD and she seemed to be worse. So I started Mm. to see this pattern um, Mm. that, you know, female uh, dementia patients, CBD wasn't always the right place to start. Mm. So I typically do two milligrams of THC as a starting dose. And the frequency kind of depends on when their symptoms are the worst. Are they a typical sundowner? You know, does it get worse in the evening? Is it all day? Um, and often we'll see, you know, anywhere from two to 10 milligrams a day of THC is enough to, to yeah. uh, would that, is that something you might consider, you know, NIDA is asking for input as to what is the minimum or the starter dose for THC mm-hmm. for, uh, for seniors. Is that kind of a, where you would start two, two and a half milligrams or and work your way up to 10? Yeah, Dave, you'll notice my responses are usually, it depends. Um, <laughs> it depends, it depends, all it depends. It's like all the medical professionals, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. yep. But that's with all drugs, right? right? That's all drugs. Yeah, yeah, I think there's multiple factors to consider, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, you're making a recommendation. And, you know, I found sometimes half a milligram is, you know, a good starting dose. I mean, seniors typically, as they age, their metabolism slows down, so less is more. Mm. They seem to tolerate it incredibly well at two milligrams and not seeing an increase in falls. I don't see any dizziness. I really don't see any overwhelming side effects that prevent them from continuing. That's such a tiny little dose. How do you get accurate dosing with such a tiny amount? So, I mean, we're fortunate in the state of California now to have testing standards that are some of the strictest in the nation. So I do look for products that are easy for, in the assisted living communities, they have to treat cannabis like a controlled substance. Mm-hmm. So if they get, you know, uh, a cannabis product, they have to be able to count, you know, that if they administered three doses today, there's, you know, three less than there was yesterday. So edibles are usually the easiest for them to dispense mm-hmm. and single piece edibles. So a two milligram edible, a one milligram edible. Mm. Um, so, you know, based on the fact that um, testing has to be within 10% of the, the label, I have confidence that at two milligrams, it's fairly accurate. So like um, I've seen products like mints that uh, 
or small chocolates that mm -hmm. might be that low? Yeah, I, I had chocolates, gummies, mints. Cool. It, you know, I learned the hard way. It's something they have to be able to chew because we've mm -hmm. found that if they swallow it whole, it usually comes out whole on the other side. Oh, <laughs> so okay. These yeah. things that you learn through your clinical assessments. Good to know. Good really to know. Really important to know. <laughs> Doesn't always dissolve. Doesn't always get broken down in the stomach. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what other ways does cannabis help older people in particular? Well, I, you know, I get to work with a lot of people who have, you know, age-related and chronic illness that usually presents in ways of chronic pain, anxiety, depression, sometimes decrease in appetite, sleep issues. And I see over and over again that, you know, cannabis helps a lot with sleep. I see that happen. You know, usually I tell people we can get your sleep under control relatively quickly. Um, chronic pain can sometimes be a little bit more complex because everybody's so different. Um, and anxiety and depression, I, I do see great results, particularly with CBD and THC helping to control those symptoms. So they can reduce some of their pharmaceutical intake. So we see some reduction in the polypharmacy that many seniors experience. Um, and sometimes that even improves their quality of life more because those drugs, of course, have side effects and compounding side effects. And mm -hmm. um, so it's great to work with them and watch them experience, you know, their life in a new way as they age. Absolutely. Um, are you finding that with insomnia, it takes as little as, I know it depends, um, <laughs> but, but it, it takes as, it can be as little as two milligram dose to help people with insomnia, or do they need a much bigger dose? With THC, yes, I've seen anywhere from two to 10 milligrams to be quite effective. Awesome. I have seen some rebound insomnia with THC, where after time, it find, they find that, you know, after five hours, they wake up, like almost mm. like when the dose wears off. Mm. I found that CBD anywhere from like 10 to 25 milligrams can be effective for sleep. So, you know, depending on their goals and sometimes you'll do a combination of it for them. Um, interestingly enough, I read in an article that men have 41% more cannabinoid receptors than females. And how that correlates to what I see in clinical practice is that men, males tend to respond to cannabis much quicker than women. Mm just like they lose weight faster than women do. <laughs> they tend to respond to cannabinoid therapy a little bit quicker. You, you have so much specialized knowledge, especially for seniors. Um, it's really not easy to find healthcare professionals with this kind of knowledge. Do you mm -hmm. take uh, telehealth patients um, and do they have to be in California or can they be anywhere in the world if you do? Well, COVID has certainly changed a lot of that. You know, I had a hybrid practice from the beginning where I did, you know, video, phone, and in-person consultations. Mm -hmm. With COVID, everything is virtual now. Um, and I do do informational or educational consultations with people outside of California. You know, I can't establish a clinician-patient relationship with them, but I can certainly teach them how to read a label how to understand what they're looking for, you know, what potential side effects they might have and make sure to guide them, you know, in the right direction, get on the right track as soon as they can. That that's super helpful because otherwise it's literally trial and error and you have to keep a notebook and mm -hmm. to have a healthcare professional is so, so helpful. Yeah. So it really um, does improve their, their response time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, and, 
I love that your specialty is our community, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about your radical health community. So we, um, my uh, business partner, Timothy Byers, and I started Radical Health back in 2018, really in response to the healthcare professionals coming to me and saying, okay, I want to know what you, you know, I want to pick your brain. You know, mm -hmm. the famous, I want to pick your brain. Yeah. And we thought, okay, maybe we should establish some education for them to help improve their knowledge base so that, you know, we can start getting more clinicians out there um, mm -hmm. to help care for our patients. So we've been developing curriculum for the last, we've been developing curriculum for years, um, but really started officially in 2018. And the Radical Community launched last year as a way to provide ongoing education outside of our modules. So we sort of have this like, you know, foundational package and advanced science package for people who really want to geek out. And then monthly webinars looking at different topics like we did COVID. Uh, last month, this month, we're going to do post-traumatic stress in response to COVID because we do Gosh. expect to see an uh, increase in those that diagnosis post-pandemic. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. And uh, to join your Radical Health community, they just go to your website? Yeah, so at RadicalHealthCare.com, and we spell it R-A-D-I-C-L-E. Um, different than the other radical mm -hmm. and um, the monthly webinars are um, recorded so if you can't make them live they're on demand and it's a, a whopping nine dollars a month to be a part awesome. of the community and we also have a private Facebook forum where sometimes we'll do case studies and and just kind of talk about what's going on in the community and try to engage maybe I'll present a very unique case and say what would you guys do um, to try to have that collaboration and input and you know, really trying to help people feel more confident uh, when they're out there in the community to provide that education that's so needed. So, so needed. Yes. Needed. I mean, cannabis is not taught in any medical schools. Well, very few, like 9% mm -hmm. or some ridiculously low number like that. Mm -hmm. And we all have an endocannabinoid system mm -hmm. and 30 some odd states have some sort of cannabis so millions and millions of people are using cannabis and yeah. healthcare professionals are for the most part not educated in this area and that to me is criminal it's it's embarrassing i think you know part of the part of the work that we're doing at the american cannabis nurses association is you know to provide legitimacy to cannabis nursing as a specialty we're trying to go for credentialing so that, you know, eventually nurses can be certified as a cannabis nurse. Awesome. And, you know, we, um, we know that our patients are using it. The stigma goes so deep and so far, you know, it's, um, when I first started doing this, people would call me a pothead and a drug mm. dealer, you know, and I would laugh and say, well, some of that's true. Right. <laughs> At the time um, in particular, because yeah. it wasn't, you know, you, it was like in a bottle of olive oil infused with yeah. cannabis. Maybe in the back parking lot, I'll get you something. Uh, yeah. you know, and so, and then the way that cannabis users are still portrayed in the media, I think doesn't help that stigma, especially for healthcare professionals, because they don't want to be the pot doc or the pot nurse. Right. And, you know, I've just really enjoyed sort of being um, on the forefront and pushing those boundaries. And because I, I'm confident in the science of, you know, of cannabis medicine, and I feel like there's enough evidence there to support it that you, if, you're, if you're still arguing with me that cannabis isn't medicine, then you're just ignorant. 
Well, it's essential uh, under the, our pandemic in many, uh, in many states, uh, and more and more delivery is being expanded because people need to get their medicine. Uh, mm-hmm. This, this uh, idea that, oh, you're just making it medical so you can get your weed uh, mm-hmm. is being you know, completely uh, blown out of the water under this pandemic. And uh, even the cannabis doctor professionals say, you know, smoking probably not a good idea right now, but you can certainly vaporize. You can take it in many other forms. And if you're taking cannabis medicine for other things, you shouldn't stop taking that cannabis medicine. And so, you know, I think I think this pandemic may uh, lift cannabis up. I mean, there is research going on about the relationship between cannabis and CBD, and the, and um, in Israel is looking at uh, you know with uh, using steroids along with CBD to fight help fight COVID. It's been looked at for cytokine uh, regulation, you know, so that people are pivoting and they're looking. So it, I, I find it very interesting that um, uh, cannabis has risen. To, to, the, to meet the moment, as many people say here in California, uh, mm-hmm. as far as this uh, goes, the, the sales, Oklahoma last week, the medical cannabis sales in all of the states, people are either afraid they're not going to have their medicine or they have mm-hmm. continued access to it. So mm-hmm. in many ways, uh, cannabis rises, rises to the occasion uh, for health and, and other reasons. Uh, and also recently, and I want to get your input on this before we let you go, is what is the... One more. Oh, you have one more question. Okay. Well, I want to get your input on um, this new research and thoughts, uh, particularly from Dr. Ethan Russo. And there's an article from uh, Project CBD today about the endocannabinoid deficiency mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a cause of other diseases, as basically we have destroyed our endocannabinoid system. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, just kind of going back to Chella earlier saying, you know, we're not really teaching this in medical schools. We, um, I am teaching at Pacific College of Health, Health and Sciences, which is an accredited college for acupuncturists and nurses. And they've developed the medical cannabis certificate program. So we, you know, we had full registration this term. So we are starting to, you know, have students come in and learn about cannabis and their first week was uh, on clinical endocannabinoid deficiency and you know basically they had to read about it and then i gave them a case presentation and said would you rule this patient in or out for clinical endocannabinoid deficiency because we clearly we can't test for it but we can do clinical observations to you know use it as a differential diagnosis and i was just so thinking I totally, that i was a big house fan so yeah that came <laughs> yeah you know and so i i I love when I find a patient that I think meets the criteria because I talk to them about it. You'll, it, it increases their confidence in cannabis tremendously when you say, look, here's the research. We believe this, you know, right now it's really, it's still a theory, but it's a working theory and you really meet that criteria. And I think cannabis is going to be incredibly helpful for you. And I do see those that meet that criteria benefit from cannabis more than others may who don't have the meet that criteria. Could you expand on what that criteria is? Because some of our listeners probably have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, Dr. Ethan Russo has theorized that all humans have a base endocannabinoid level and that that cannabinoid level can become dysfunctional through genetics. So you could, you know, have a strong family history of it. It can be environmental. It could be from trauma. So I think like in some cases where people experience either um, a traumatic event like a car crash or um, you know combat or something like that, it causes a disruption in their endocannabinoid levels. 
That's what we can't test for. I can't draw your blood and say, oh, you're dysfunctional in your endocannabinoid system. But often you'll see where they may have an autoimmune disease, they may have a strong family history of fibromyalgia or migraines or irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and those are some of the things that you can look at to say, okay, you know, um, like I worked with a woman a couple weeks ago whose mom had fibromyalgia, her sister had migraines, and she developed irritable bowel syndrome after a flu-like illness in 2018. To me, she met that criteria. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily change the course of how I'm going to, there's nothing necessarily different that I'm going to do other than I'm going to say, I'm hoping that not only will this help your symptoms, but we might see some um, increased benefits when we get your endocannabinoid system back in balance. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, remarkably used to suffer from migraines, mm -hmm. irritable bowel syndrome, and have a family history of autoimmune issues wow. uh, throughout my family. My mom had Alzheimer's disease and died of it, of course, you know. Uh, my father's mother also had Alzheimer's disease. Wow. Um, so, yeah, my endocannabinoid system is something I like to keep in, uh, in excellent balance. And I do mm -hmm. that through all the ways that it's possible to do. I eat leafy greens, I exercise, I get quality sleep, mm -hmm. um, I try to manage stress through all the different ways that's possible, and I also enjoy cannabis in multiple forms. Mm -hmm. um, after CanMed last year, I started plucking a little, um, I like a one-to-one -one balanced plant um, called the Harlequin Tsunami, and I mm. take a little piece of that and I throw it in my tea in the morning and I mm -hmm. get my raw cannabinoids well raw-ish because it's in hot tea but mm -hmm. um i would like more access to mm -hmm. fresh cannabis yeah i would love it in the grocery aisle you mm -hmm. know in the, next to the romaine i would like my cannabis leaves <laughs> yeah, you know? right. yeah. that'd be great it would be great you'd have and to I, rub it like kale though it's a little tough <laughs> you know. i'm gonna throw yeah. it in my smoothies or you know and and hemp microgreens. Oh, I want to do that mm -hmm. so bad. Hemp microgreens. Yeah, it's another thing. I would love to see that. And I, I think you bring up some good points too, Chala, about how important it is to look at other options outside of cannabinoids to upregulate up your endocannabinoid system. You know, I think many people who come to me have, you know, a friend or a colleague or a coworker or family member who's using cannabis and they expect these immediate results. And it's often multi disciplinary. You, know, you need to be exercising. You need to be eating well. You need to be sleeping. You need to be managing your stress. Yeah, it's all related. I mean, health is a complete picture. It's, there's no silver bullet to good health. Um, mm -hmm. I've noticed, uh, contrary to the Cheech and Chong type stereotypes, <laughs> um, that all my friends who use cannabis are all really healthy people. Mm -hmm. They're very concerned about where their cannabis come fr comes from and that it's organic and pesticide-free mm -hmm. and all the good things. And that translates to the rest of the things that they put into their body. Yeah. So right. I think mindfulness. Yeah, they're, they're far more mindful. Um, and the folks who are steeped in the uh, 70 years of prohibitionist propaganda um, – you know, I feel badly for them and I'm trying to find different ways to break through that, that, uh, gaslighting. Well, they also don't think sugar is bad yeah. for you, you know? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, it's all part of the same system. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Um, hey, would you mind giving us a little preview of what you're going to talk about at CanMed 2020? Oh, I would love to. I'm really excited to present on, I have probably about 50 Alzheimer's patients that I've worked with specifically in the long-term care facilities, mm -hmm. the assisted living communities. Um, so I'm going to present that population, you know, and the data around that, you know, the, the specifics around gender and dosages and frequency and outcomes, um, you know, any, not, any little tidbits you could share? Yeah, um, I would say about 80%, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to finalize it, but I would say 80% of the time, and it might even be higher, um, we do see resolution of their, their symptoms, um, not just, you know, toning it down, but they're no longer anxious, they're sleeping, um, you know, just these mad, these really great outcomes for them at a very cost effective approach. So mm -hmm. also talk about wh what kind of products seem to be effective and the average amount that they're spending it's probably 40 to 75 dollars a month that they're spending on their oh, cannabis wow do not tell the pharmaceutical company that what yeah. <laughs> and that's at overpriced overtaxed dispensaries <laughs> in, in california right? in california where it's the patient has been you know messed with with prop 64. um wow that's that's exciting that's super exciting um, yeah and um, I really know. can't wait for you to make that presentation because the last time they had an Alzheimer's uh, panel, it was extremely well attended. People really want this information. So I'm so glad you're going to be able to give them real clinical information. I'm super excited for this. Thank you. Yeah, I am too. And I'll tell you one other little thing I noticed is that um, a lot of the patients I'm working with um, had a very high level of education. So it's interesting to see how some of them were um, high-functioning PhD um, prior to their retirement. Um, you know, so if it, what it means, I'm not sure yet, but it, they were definitely very high-functioning, um, intelligent people before the onset of dementia. Well, you know, with the, uh, a lot of the pharmaceutical companies have given up on trying to find a drug that uh, mm -hmm. can help Alzheimer's. Um, and I think this is, it's super encouraging that, that, you know, this anecdotal non-official trials and, you know, um, ways of proving this, uh, at least to a certain degree until they'll allow us to actually research it with descheduling and proper research to be done with real world medicine, not that stuff that you have to beg, borrow and, and hope you get from Mississippi, um, <laughs> which, you know, they continue to drag their feet on, but we need real research with real medicine like you're doing. And yeah, we, you know, our, our journey into this started at CanMed two years ago mm. and, um, we went because of the Alzheimer's panel because we knew it was working or it was helping and we wanted to know more. And it was very, it was very research oriented and not a lot of uh, real clinical data. And that came from the audience. That's where we met Dr. Hergen rather. He was in the audience saying, Hey, I'm doing this right now in Santa Rosa and, it, and it's working. So right. that's how we came to know doctors, real doctors and medical professionals and nurse practitioners that are actually, you know, when we found out there was a cannabis nurses association, we we're like, Oh my God, there are <laughs> cannabis nurses because you know, nurses are going to really know what's going mm -hmm. on. And my sister is a nurse, yeah. you know, traditional nurse for her entire career, 50 years. And, um, she listens to our podcast now and oh, she was very impressed with Dr. Hergen rather. So, you know, we need these avenues. We need ways to educate yes. non cannabis medical people 
entry into this to learn about it. And it's really exciting that we get some good clinical evidence being presented at CanMed this year. So I, we hope it goes off. If not, I'm sure it'll be virtual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm on the planning um, team for the medical practicum, which is the pre-conference workshop. And they're so committed to making it happen. So yeah. virtual or in person, it will, it will happen. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cause this, this information really is necessary for the millions and millions of people who have no other options. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so. And with no end in sight. And yeah. uh, nothing, you know, nothing the FDA is in the, there's nothing in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we should be able to uh, utilize this to help give relief to our loved ones and the caregivers yeah. that yeah. are struggling with this. So yeah, thank absolutely. you so much. Thank yeah. you. Eloise, really, thank you so much for taking the time to talk oh, with us. Oh, my pleasure. About, yeah, about how cannabis helps dementia. You know, we really appreciate your advocacy and all that you do in the world to help older people and especially with Cannabis Therapeutics. And yeah. uh, we'll make sure to have all the links to um, how to reach you and how to get Thank to you. Radical Health um, and the American uh, Cannabis Nurses Association as well. Thank you. I hope, um, and thank you for the work that you're doing in helping get the word out there for this population that's so deserving of quality of life uh, as they age. So thank you. Cool, of course. Thank you. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for joining us for Cannabis Helps Dementia. Be sure to download and like us on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting network. And please share this podcast with anyone you know in relationship with dementia. In Episode 9, we meet Dr. Jordan Tischler, founder of InhaleMD in Boston, Massachusetts. Dr. Tischler graduated from both Harvard College and Harvard Medical School. He trained and is faculty at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. He spent years working with veterans at the VA. As a leading expert on cannabis therapeutics, Dr. Tischler employs Western medicine and cannabis care to treat a wide array of illnesses. He's the president of the Association of Cannabis Specialists, which aims to educate clinicians, lawmakers, and the industry about best practices and needed tools for proper patient care. His father, a former physician himself, is living with dementia. Do you want to tell your story of how cannabis helps dementia? Visit Anchor FM slash Cannabis Helps Dementia to leave us a voice message or drop us a note and connect with us on the socials. Check out the Society of Cannabis Clinicians website to find real medical professionals familiar with cannabis medicine in your area. Because you remember, we're not doctors. Just family caregivers turned advocates. And don't forget, download, like, and share what you learn. Cannabis Helps Dementia. Why don't you get wise? Get up and get out. Get rid of that frown that's been dragging you down and get up in the air. Just pretend that you can fly. You'll never know if you can till you try. So get out of your right. Be able and strong. Give vent to that intent you've had and up for so long. Come on, come on up and see. But it's like being out where you're free. Just do something that's real unique Do something that's new